And it's Steve Tasker who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual role player for you. Steve. Steve. A blimp. We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy here. How you be here on a Wednesday? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker here with you. Another day of practice going on outside, a rather intense day of practice. We'll explain why in just a minute. And then things start to gear down from there going into Friday's final preseason game. This one on the road at Carolina. And Steve, another beautiful day in Western New York. Uh Another beautiful day for practice, yeah. but the pads are on. They're going thud, one versus ones today, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, because nobody's going to play on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, they're all going to sit. So that, And that's what he did week one of the preseason before they played Indianapolis. The ones had a couple of days. Of course, it's training camp. The ones had a couple of days where he, he coached warm out a little bit, as much as you can, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons he gave us for doing that was that uh, as much as they can turn these guys loose in a practice, they do, except that the coaches are the ones with the whistles, not, not the officials. And, not, and it's not about the, you know, the, the play itself. It's about what's happening on They can stop the play halfway yeah, they can, through. They, they see can, something bad's going to happen. Right. They blow the whistle they early. They blow the whistle early. They don't, nobody sacks. Nobody t- touches the QBs, all of that. So nobody takes anybody to the ground. But they also – stop the play a little prematurely in most occasions too. So, and that's something that gives the coaches some control and also some comfort about getting through it unscathed and while yet making them work really hard. So Coach McDermott addressed the media before practice today. Not a ton in there, but we'll give you the headlines. First and foremost, as we mentioned, the starters, most of the starters will not suit up at all and play. They might suit up, but they're not going to play. And – Essentially, he said there might be a few exceptions. Those exceptions will be players that have not even practiced a lot through the course of training camp and the time they've spent back here since leaving St. John Fisher. I asked him if Dawson Knox would fall into that category because, as we know, he missed time being away with his family after the tragic passing of his younger brother. He also did not play in the first preseason game, but it is Coach's opinion that Dawson Knox has practiced a lot through the course of training camp, which he has. I don't think he's missed a practice, and aside from the ones he missed while he was away with his family and then obviously the preseason game. So no preseason action for Dawson Knox at all, it appears, will be the case because he will be participating out here with the starters in pads and going at it there. And in Coach's mind, that kind of practice this week is enough prep for his starters and you don't risk injury as a result in a game. I'm sure the way they played against Denver probably gave him some comfort, too, that they're not going to show up flat or yeah. rusty. And Six touchdowns on your first six <laughs> possessions, that'll work. Yeah, I mean, that's like, okay, well, what are we doing here? Um, let's go ahead and get ready. Uh, they probably start – obviously, they got a lot of work to do with the cutdowns. And they, they're going to fine-tune their roster. I would probably venture to guess 45 of the guys they know right now. They're thereabouts. Maybe even more than that when you think right, about it. Right, maybe. Like, I, right. And what I mean by that is even beyond your 53, because Brandon Bean said it the other day, we probably know in the upper 50s who we're keeping, um, which, which makes sense because 
yes, it's a 53-man roster, but between now and the time you have to make the 53-man roster, you may have three or four injuries, so you better know who your 58 well, yeah. to 60 are. That's right, and, and, it's, and it's different but because of the positions and the flexibility that you need out, out of those. But, um, yeah, they, they know for sure the 53 to a large extent, but they also want to work – the 53, as we've all talked about, and there's all these machinations about you, you cut this guy, bring him back. You cut this guy knowing nobody will pick him up, but you really want him, so you bring him back or you wave this guy or you put this guy out because you know you can get him back on your practice squad. All of that stuff's going on, and they, you, they make educated guesses sometimes about who would be available once they're cut from the bills to come back in 24 hours. There's some of that going on as well because it gives you some flexibility with your 53-man roster because if a guy's not on your roster at the beginning of the year, it, it means things. So, you know, practice squad, 16 guys, six of them can be veterans, four of them can be protected. All of that goes into the stew and it gets stirred up and, and they got to come out with the guys. But they know large in large measure who they're – roster 53 is going to be right there may be one or two guys that are who's hang who are hanging in the balance as far as the decision makers for the roster yeah because that can make a difference in this game on friday yeah and put themselves on or off the roster in some cases yeah Mc, and or the practice squad mcdermott said there's guys like that there, there are guys out there but here's the thing if if this here's the for instance if this defensive back or whatever doesn't make the team well that means it doesn't necessarily mean that another defensive back will it could be an offensive lineman or a line you know it could be a different position because of the ripple effects the special teams have on it well if he's not going to make it then we need this to cover his spot that we thought he might play on special teams with another backup so we're going to have to keep this other guy it's it's really tough because it's not just one defensive back for another it could be one defensive back in favor of a wide receiver or vice versa. It could be an offensive lineman in favor of a linebacker. It could, you know, all of this stuff goes into it. So it's really difficult from the outside looking in, not being privy to the conversations that happen on a daily basis between Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott, his coaching staff, Brandon Bean in the coaching staff, coaching Brandon staff. Brandon Bean in his personnel department. Brandon Bean in his personnel department, the, the scouts with the coaches – the coaches with Brandon B. Everybody talks all the time, and they're talking about one thing. Who's playing well? Who's going to help us win games? And if this guy's on, that means that guy's off. Or it means those guys are off, we can have this other guy on. So it's the skill sets. It's a jigsaw puzzle. There is no set, you know, there's no picture that you can look at that tells you what it's supposed to look like. Uh, you got to pick it. And yeah. you got to choose what this team's going to be looking like. And that's it's hard, and it takes a lot of thought and a lot of conversation. We are talking today with you about the player on the Bills roster through the course of training camp and the preseason that has impressed you the most. One of those players that would probably fall into that category for head coach Sean McDermott is veteran offensive lineman Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart, there was a question asked of Coach McDermott today, how much has Bobby Hart improved? Because as you know, he had to get thrown into the lineup when Deion Dawkins was battling COVID on more than one occasion last season. He, had, he got contracted COVID twice last year, and it thrust some people into the lineup. 
One of them was Bobby Hart, who didn't play guard. He was playing left tackle. He had played right tackle most of his career, and it is a different animal over there. And he said from last year to this year, Bobby Hart has improved, and I quote, immensely. Um, it's clear that Coach McDermott appreciates Bobby Hart's approach to the game, the improvements that he's made in his individual game, and I suppose offensive line coach Aaron Cromer deserves some credit for that as well because as we have heard from the offensive linemen themselves, Steve, he individualizes the teaching techniques that he gives each specific lineman. He doesn't teach them all the same way. Right. Sometimes it's position-based. Sometimes it's based on their individual skill set. But he caters his teaching techniques to the skills of the player and the position that they play. And it's made a difference for some guys. Yeah, and I'll say this too. You think about it. When a guy caters or caters or, or tailors his teaching to you and what you do best, he – the thing about it is he also communicates why he's doing it. What, here's, what, here's what you do well. Here's what you don't do. And here's how we're going to cover it up or help it get better, this and that and the other. And by doing that with every player, every player seems feels like they have a personal relationship with him. And they, they play hard for him because it becomes evident how much he's doing to help their career. Guys respond to that. How can you not? So that's a, that's a gift. And that's why the guy has been around so much. That's why he's gifted. Every player he coaches kind of feels like they're getting their chance to be their best. And they've got, they're being coached by a guy who really gets them and gets where they're at. And that's, you know, that it, it should, you would think, translate into a higher level of play. We'll see. Right. But for everybody. With as glowing as the remarks were from Coach McDermott on Bobby Hart, I think most of us are of the opinion he's making the roster. Now, for, for Bills fans that haven't seen the latest edition of Bobby Hart, that might cause some consternation because there were he did have some struggles last year. Let's be honest about it. He struggled. And but they have moved him inside to guard. That might be his best position, Steve. Oh, absolutely. Really and good in there. I, and I think last, even Brandon Bean told us that, you know, he, he – I don't know whether he said he apologized to Bobby or, or acknowledged to Bobby when they brought him back and said, listen, man, we put you in the toughest spot of all. We had him – they had him playing four spots, moving him all over the place, uh, never got comfortable with any of them. And plus, plus, face it, either tackle spot, he doesn't play as well as he plays guard. But that's where he was playing here. And, they, you know, they plugged the guy in and say, hey, play left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I don't, I don't care who you're at. That's a big ask. Yeah. So – he was put into a really, really difficult position and, and struggled. But the one, th and the one thing that didn't go unnoticed, at least by me, was Sean McDermott said today, he goes, I really appreciated his attitude. Yep. He has really worked hard. No he's, job was too small, he yeah, said. Yeah, he said nothing was too small. He was gonna, willing to do anything. He was willing to line up, strap it up, and go anytime we asked him, any, anywhere we asked him, and he had a great attitude about it. Um, that means a lot. Makes a difference to a coach. It means a lot. And it, it's not only to the coach, but to the guys around him. Because if he's not doing it, one of them's gonna do it. And you know, and it's and while everybody wants to play, everybody can acknowledge how tough a spot he was in. So I think by doing that, he earned their respect, you know, in a culture sense. And then because of his hard work and their ability to make and take all the other stuff off his plate and give him a chance to be successful, you know, he's rewarded that so far in training camp. So it's looking good for Bobby Hart coming down to the wire here, but we're asking you at 803-0550, 888 550 which Bills player 
has impressed you the most through the preseason so far. Um, do you have a name at the top of your list, Steve, in terms of who, what Bills player on this roster has impressed you the most start to finish here? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to look the other way with Khalil Shakir standing there mm -hmm. because he's gotten a ton of reps um, and he's made the most of them. He hasn't, he hasn't fallen down. He hasn't made a single glaring mistake. Now, he may have met, run the wrong route somewhere here or there. We would never know. But nothing has stood out to us as being, wow, a, a, no, that's a rookie mistake kind of thing. He hasn't done that. I'm all, I've also been impressed with James Cook, no question. But how, you know, all these guys, Bernard and I think Benford has been the biggest surprise. I mean, he's come well, from – Well, he came in with zero, zero expectations. expectations. He's out there rotating in with, with the ones today. Well, that's been the case for a while now. Right. I mean, that was going on all the way back at training camp. I mean, he's he's burst onto the scene in a big way. And, I th and you know, if you go by their draft status, Shakir probably had higher expectations than Benford did. And they've both come through with flying colors They've so exceeded far. expectations. I think that's safe to say. I'm going with a veteran player at the top of my list, Steve. A veteran player who has not gotten a lot of time on the field at his respective position but has, through the course of preseason and the training camp, Jaquan Johnson has taken another step in his development of, as a player, in my estimation. And I, I really think he's playing the best football I've seen him play, and he's doing it in a consistent fashion. Sure, the interception that he got in the first preseason game was a gift. It was an overthrow. Um, but you also got to be in the right place at the right time. And I think his run fits, his reads and coverage, they've all been good. Um, he just looks like a guy that's ready to start. Now, that's obviously not going to happen as long as Poyer and Hyde are here. But to me, in what I've seen from him this year, he is starter ready in year four. Um, who knows? Maybe he was that last year, but I'm noticing it now. And it's because he's had the chance to play as much as he had with yeah. Poyer out with the elbow injury. We'd still we still have the same opinion of him we always have without having this kind of – this many reps to look at. And I think the fact that he has played so well gives you an idea as to why, you know, he's he is who he is. He, he's been here for this long. Um, you know, the people who are watching MSG are watching the interception against the Colts um, – what I liked about it, certainly it was, a, it was an easy interception for a guy. You know, it was an overthrow, and he's happy right at him. But what he did after he had the ball in his hands, I think, sets him apart. Um, there, there was no going down. He was, he was getting to the end zone. He, and if you're a pro football player, you always have the responsibility of doing the utmost – taking the utmost chance of, and making the best play possible. Just picking the ball off, great play, awesome. But picking it off and then running through the entire offensive line trying to tackle you and getting through the, and getting into the end zone, that's a pro. That's a, that's a guy who's not satisfied and, and who always does what's best. And it sounds simple. Like, of course you're going to try. How many times have you seen guys just kind of run out of bounds, take it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. they, they can you know, slide, even slide. And certainly when you're up three touchdowns in a game and, it's, and the time's winding down, yeah, okay, I get it. But I like the fact that it was not enough just to pick it off. He got another 15, 20 yards of field position. And, and just the way, just the little things like that. And you can say, well, he's just playing football. I get it. But it's not an every. You don't see every guy do that. Mm -hmm. You don't see every guy do that, and it says something about him. 
And the way he's played and the fact that he's mixing it up, sticks his nose in the run game, all of that stuff, I just, you know, I, 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 it's easy to see why the guy has a lot of faith from this coaching staff. Yeah. I, there are other players that we can list, but we want to hear from you at 803-0550, number to call, and got open lines for you there, or you could hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live, the Bills player that's impressed you the most through the preseason so far with one game to play. Some NFL news and notes out there. It looks like the Giants are getting a wide receiver back off the pup list and at practice today, coming off an Achilles injury, is wide receiver Sterling Shepard. So good news for them there. They do have a rookie in Wandale Robinson who has been working a lot in the slot, but Sterling Shepard is their veteran slot receiver, so we'll see how that all shakes out. There was some interesting news concerning the Dolphins. There are reports out there that the Dolphins have brought up tight end Mike Gesicki's name to other teams in roster conversations. As we know, Gesicki is playing on the franchise tag this year, a guaranteed $10.9 million, so there was no contract extension negotiated successfully between the two parties. So I don't know how you move a guy on a franchise tag because you can't do anything with his contract. You know what I mean? So how many teams right. out there are willing to swallow $11 million cap figure? You know what I mean? Like, Well, here's the thing. If you tra- and, and here's why. You trade for him, and once he's in your building and you've traded for him, he's got a he's got all kinds of leverage on your organization to get whatever he can get out of you because you just traded whatever you traded to get him. Yeah. And now if you to get your money's worth, you gotta get this you gotta get years out of his career. Well, you gotta sign him to a new contract that you're not allowed to negotiate. Yeah. Until after the season's over. So he comes out, has an all pro season, and you don't have him locked up. That's right. what happened to the Houston Texans with um the offensive tackle from Miami. Oh, Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil. They tra- drafted him, didn't have a new contract, and he raked him over the coals. Yeah. So that's a tough sell. Unless you get him for nothing or next to nothing, why would Cincinnati let him go when they're ready to pay him $12 million, Or my, why would they let him go when they're ready to pay him that much? It's peculiar. My only suspicion is that Mike McDaniel – after being around him on a daily basis and then seeing what he has to offer, none of which includes blocking, by the way, um, that he feels he's got more well-rounded tight ends on the roster. Let's not forget they did make Hunter Long a draft pick a couple of years ago, the Boston College kid. He, too, is at the tight end position. Durham Smythe is kind of a steady all-around tight end. He's not a world beater, but he's a, you know, he's a steady do-everything type tight end. Maybe Mike McDaniel wants tight ends with a better complete skill set. You have enough true receivers, and this guy is like a tight receiver. He's he's, a huge target, but... He's undersized as a tight end. Yeah, he's an oversized receiver, Yeah, he's he's heavier than a wide receiver, but he's not as fast. And, you know, he's limited. You can call him a tight end, but... Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's a good player, it, but he's he's a matchup is what he is for Miami. He's an offensive matchup. 
not in the run game, but in the passing game. You have to, a defense has to decide, are they going to put a DB on him or are they going to put a linebacker out there and treat him as a tight end? I think most defenses would just say, listen, we're treating this guy as a tight end. We're going to put a safety on him. We're yeah, because he doesn't run better him. than – He doesn't run better than a safety. Or put our, put our fourth corner on him or third corner on him. Yeah. Uh, just treat him like a DB, like he's a wide receiver. And in the run game, who cares? The guy's an, a liability. Yeah. For them, for the Dolphins. I just – it's interesting to me. You franchise him and then you come to this decision where you say, hey, would you be interested? You want to pay for this guy? I, I don't know. I mean, we've seen franchise tag players traded before um, and maybe they're convinced they have no hope of signing him to a contract well, extension in the offseason. So they say, well, let's try to get something for him now. But – with that tag on what him. What we just said, he's not worth the tag. Right, but that's your fault. Why'd you tag him then? Right. Move him before you had to tag him. Right. You're right. You're right. But I, that's, that's where they're at. Uh, he's not a, he's a – he's a very good receiving tight end. And that's where it ends. You fouled it up, though, in terms yeah. of – it's like you put the cart before the horse. It's almost like the Dolphins have more on their plate than just him. Like, you know, they had, <laughs> they're trying to trying to I don't lure know. Tom Brady away. They're trying to Well, hire yeah, they had other things coach. on they their agenda, right? They hired a brand new head coach. They fired another one. They're getting sued. Yeah, they got maybe Gesicki was down the list on priorities and they didn't realize And now they're just on. getting around to him. Oh my gosh. Uh a little bit of sad news. Len Dawson, Hall of Fame quarterback with the Chiefs. Passed away at age 87. He had been dealing with an illness. And I was not aware of this. But he was Steve Tasker's number oh, one yeah. player as a kid. I grew up in Kansas. Was a big Chiefs fan. I was born in, you know, obviously, 62. So when I was eight years old or so, they yeah. were winning. They were doing really well. Uh, Lenny Dawson, Otis Taylor, Ed Podolak, Willie Lanier, Buck Buchanan, Kerry Reardon, uh, Gerald Wilson, Jan Stenerud, Bobby Bell. Jan they had some Stenerud. guys. Yeah, they had some guys. And and I've had the and I have now since, you know, my professional career that I've had a chance to meet and get to, you know, say hello to all those guys. Lynn Dawson being one of the most prominent. I I've worked with Len a couple of times on for this, that, and the other, just interviews and stuff like that. He worked on Inside the NFL for a for long years. time. For years. He was an icon, and he was very good on the air. He was also a sports director while he was playing. He was a sports director for an affiliate in Kansas City. And uh, they win the world championship one year while he's doing it, and the next year they're not playing so well, and they're saying that it's the reason. It's because he's – well, I was – when we won the world championship, That's I was funny. doing it, right? Uh, it's the way we are as a society, right? So, Lynn Dawson, uh, what a great dude. Um that's a sad day for Kansas City Chiefs fans. Uh, he was an iconic uh, broadcaster, an iconic player, a world champion quarterback, a Hall of Famer, and uh, and it, it was he was the ninth of eleven children in his family, uh, born and raised in Ohio, went to Purdue University, and uh, he's dead at eighty-seven. It's it's and it's sad. Pretty full life, though, all things considered. Eighty-seven's a good run. Um, Hell, I'd be happy with. That. <laughs> I'd be happy if I get to eighty-seven. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty good run. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sad uh, to see his passing. Uh, condolences to the Dawson family. Did you see what Sammy Watkins said, Steve? 
about playing with MVP quarterbacks. As we know, he's played with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson um, the past four seasons. Now he'll be playing with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So Watson or Watkins, sorry, was asked by his teammate Randall Cobb to compare Mahomes with Rodgers. And Watkins said, I think Pat is incredibly good, but Rodgers is on a whole other level. Said he's amazing how he controls the ball, how he puts everyone in place. I've been with a lot of quarterbacks, and I've never seen them carry themselves like Aaron Rodgers. Now, for me, you, you said the, you had the great questions. We are all texting about yes. this in the crew, and you had the great question, which is has not been asked. Yes, which is I wonder what all those quarterbacks think of Sammy right. Watkins. Let's go back in time and see what all these guys that he's played with say about him. Yeah, because he's been around the block. Remember, he was in LA. He was in LA first after he left Buffalo. Sometimes, if you're that talented and you've played for five NFL teams in eight seasons, there's there's a reason. It's you. There's a reason. It's not it's not them. It's you. So yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if it's a fair comparison because in my estimation, they're two completely different quarterbacks. Rodgers is a quarterback that can move around and is mobile and can extend plays when necessary, but more often than not, he delivers the football quickly before he even has to go into escape mode, where Mahomes will extend to play much like Josh Allen. And to me, I don't know. To me, it's apples and oranges. I will say this. I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback more accurate than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he could drop it on well, a dime 30 yards away. Mahomes is accurate off of like one foot off behind platform. his back. Yeah, yeah he's accurate so, off platform. Yeah, I, they're both great, and you're right. It's a, it's. What do you like in a quarterback? You know, um, Aaron. You can win with both of those you guys. Can, well, obviously, you can win a world championship with either one of them. They've both done it. Um, Aaron's different, and I think as a receiver, you would notice the differences when you practice with the guys, right? Um, whatever they are, but Mahomes is. I'm sure, and I'm, and we heard it before we ever saw him start. We, and we heard rumblings like, "Hey, Mahomes is going to kill it when he because he took over for Alex Smith." And people in training camp that next year, his second year, when they he was the MVP, were telling people in the preseason like, "This guy is going to knock it out of the park." Wait till you see. Yeah. So guys know when they practice with these guys, and I'm sure Sammy stepping onto the field with Aaron Rodgers is no different, uh, no matter who he's played with. Right. Let's go to the phones at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Open line for you there. We're asking you which player on the Bills roster has impressed you most through the course of the preseason. And leading us off today is Bobby in Rochester. Bobby, what do you got for us here on One Bills Live? Yes, I watched the game um, last week, and I thought that Blackshear really impressed me. What did you like about him the most? Well, I thought he was really, uh, every time he got the ball, he seemed to really be able to move it pretty far. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. It's very evident on tape that he has some juice. Thanks for the call, Bobby. Um, He has built up a following uh, since the preseason started. And, I mean, it's a guy that not only is considered at Running back, I think evidence of the juice that he brings on the field with his explosive burst is uh, exemplified by his use on special teams as a return candidate as well. He's got a running style that, you know, we've seen these guys and we kind of get to know them by the way they carry the football. He's got this one cut and go style 
Um, and he is, he does seem to be a little bit more uh, explosive than Singletary or Moss anyway. Just, just in the open field, when he turns the corner, he seems to be, he, he's, he can scoot. And we saw him with the ball in his hands, and it looked pretty good, and I, and I get it. Um, I'm hesitant to jump on the bandwagon for any young running back because there seems to be so many of them. And I made the statement here on this show yesterday and in the days past, and, and Bobby from Rochester, she sees it. But I think there are guys like Raheem Blackshear just on just about every team. There are guys, young running backs, who are fresh, coming out of college, who were really good at that level and have something to offer. There's no question. A lot of them probably could play in the NFL, but they only carry three or four of them on a, on a team, and some of the guys yeah. in the league are still pretty good. It's hard to get on a team as a running back. Um, particularly as a backup running back, because then you got to change over and do special teams. And some of these guys have no uh, experience doing it outside of maybe returning kickoffs. So uh, while I agree with you, Raheem Blackshear played really well this last week and has played well throughout training camp, I would hesitate to throw one of the other running backs in the room away to keep him. Yeah. Uh, not that he wouldn't play well. Right. But I don't know how much of a difference there is between Devin Singletary, Raheem Blackshear, Zach Moss, Duke Johnson, and maybe James Cook. And perhaps he gets, you know, an opportunity on the team's practice squad. We'll just have to wait and see what the decisions are when they come down within the week. We have to take a break here, but more of your phone calls when we come back. What Bills player has impressed you the most through the course of the preseason? Give us your choice. On the phones, 803-0550-1888-550-2550, or on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. More of your comments next. We're back in two minutes. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Going to get uh, right back to the phones as we have been asking you today. What player on the Bills roster has impressed you the most? We'll get to some of your comments on the tweet sheet as well, but we go to the phones first. And there we've got Doc in Williamsville waiting. Doc, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Well, it's really not a question about what player impressed me the most. I was wondering why the Bills allowed Tredavious White to use his own surgeon for his knee surgery. With the facilities we have here for the Western New York Bills, probably the best in the National Football League. This seems to be the reason they have a quandary when they can activate him. No, I think no. I think I get what you're saying, and, and I would agree. There was a little bit of uh, um, what do you, I don't a what disconnect. Disconnect, not a disconnect. I think there was a little muddled conversation about what people thought Brandon Bean meant and what he actually said. Now, here's the thing. Every player has the op 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 option of going – yeah, it's their body. In the country. And I, if, yeah, so they get to pick their own surgeon. If he wanted to go to David Andrews out in Aspen and have the world's top knee guy do it, so be it. The Bills won't say too much about it. Bruce it, did that all the time. Bruce, they, when he got microfracture surgery. You get to pick who, you, who works on your body. That's, yeah, Dr. Stedman do all that's, his work. That's a given. Uh, the diff, disconnect, and one of the things, because Brandon referred to us as we want to make sure that once you go to another doctor, when you go for a checkup, you want that doctor to look at it. And then when you're talking about getting better and rehab, and you want that doctor to have some say in it. So that doctor's conversation has to mesh. And 
in my experience, the doctor in Colorado or wherever it was he got, he did it. I, I don't know that it was in at that clinic. I'm just using it as an example. Wherever he got the, that done, the doctor, if he's worth anything, will say, what do your guys think? Because you got a, a building full of professionals who are really good at it, and he's there every day. So what the doctor usually does is, here's what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? And they think, well, that's good. What about this and this? And he says, yeah, you know what? That's better. Let's do it your And bingo, bango, bongo, that's how it does it. So that's the only conversation that happens. Those people are usually in lockstep, whether their people did the knee surgery or somebody else. It's an open conversation because, let's face it, all the people involved have Tredavious' best interests in heart including the Buffalo Bills. I mean, certainly they yep. want him on the field, but they want the guy at his best because they know this is just one year out of a what hopes to be a 15- or double-digit career. So, double-digit year career. So, yeah, don't worry about that That there's some sort of conflict there about Tredavious's rehab. I, don't, I do not believe there is at all, even though Brandon alluded to meshing those two things together, the doctors who did the surgery – and the people here in Buffalo who are going to administer the rehab um, don't think that there's a conflict there because I would be shocked if there was even a raised eyebrow on one side or the other. Those people are are together in right. this. And, and Tredavious is okay with that as right. well. And you have to be, quite frankly. Um, everybody's got to be on the same page and agree on the plan going forward. But I will agree. He's right. There was a little bit of muddled conversation about how – smooth that went and how easy it was but i i don't believe there was any conflict there let's go to the tweet sheet at eight at uh, one bills live and tweet sheet brought to you by corrigan moving systems the official equipment moving company of the buffalo bills jeremy leads us off today and says to me it's been zach moss i think he got offended when the team drafted cook and signed duke johnson he has played like this is his last shot that could be the case it's hard to know exactly what Zemo's motivation is, I do know that he's a lot healthier than he was last year at this time. As we know, he broke his ankle in the playoff game against Indianapolis in the 2020 playoffs. And Brandon Bean shared with us that he was really never 100% right coming off that injury last year. It impacted his ability to cut off his left foot um, as he was still, you know, not really 100% right, and it made a difference in his play. And I think we've seen a little bit more explosiveness out of him, a uh, little sharper cutting ability, and it's because he feels good now. Um, he's had a good preseason. So, yeah, that's not a bad choice. I don't yeah, mind. It, it, no question. And you're right. For some guys, it's, t it's hard sitting there and looking around saying, oh, man, they drafted a guy. Competition in my spot makes everybody play yeah. a little bit better. It does light a fire. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah, and perhaps he has played like that. Jack on the tweet sheet says, on offense, Quentin Morris. He has flashed and made plays when called upon. I think they'll keep three tight ends. Knox is here. Howard's cap hit means he'll be also. Has Morris unseated Sweeney? On D, it's Brandon Bryant. He played like his hair was on fire. I think they keep five DTs for rotation. All right, so let's start with Quentin Morris, Steve. He's certainly flashed through the course of training camp and the preseason. What do we think? Three tight ends or four tight ends? 
I think three with Gilliam at fullback. Three plus Gilliam. Yeah, and I'm, well, Gilliam which counts is kind of like three back. and a half tight ends, right? And it's like whatever it is, four and a half yeah. running back. So um, I think Gilliam's versatility really gives them some some leeway to keep one less at that spot. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I agree with that. Quentin Morris has had a, a very – you and I have both noticed him and talked about him here on the show. Yep. Brandon Bryant, he's right. There's a lot his, of really I good defensive his, tackles. His best preseason game was this past one, I think. Brandon Bryant, he was making a difference. They even moved him out to end for a stretch uh, to see what kind of versatility he could offer. And we heard Leslie Frazier say yesterday that – the biggest step up in Brandon Bryant's game is the mental side. He's recognizing down and distance situations, alignments in front of him from the offensive lineman, and it's made a difference in the consistency of his play. And to me, that clearly carries weight with this coaching staff. When you can be a cerebral player in addition to being a physically gifted player, that's the holy grail. Right, right. When it when all the nuances of the position come naturally and you don't have to think about them too much, yeah. it puts you on another level. I'm just not convinced how the breakdown is going to go on the defensive line. Do they keep five ends and four DTs, or do they keep five DTs and four ends? That is the debate here, because I think nine is about the right number for how many defensive linemen are on this roster, the 53, but... What's the breakdown between DTs and DNs? Which way do you think it falls? Five DTs or five Ns and four of the other? Might be five DTs. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. It dep- yeah, I mean, it could be five and five for all we know. But I. if that fifth defensive end also plays on special teams, that could tip the scales. Yeah, I don't see any of those guys doing that. Though. I don't either. AJ Some of them Vanessa lined up there in the preseason, but I don't know that they're going to be there in the regular season. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't. Um, Rousseau doesn't. Basham doesn't. Epineza. Basham has special teams experience, but I haven't seen much of him out yeah, there. I, I got to check my notes. I, yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think you can make a case for either, and I think it's: Are you better? Is the defensive tackle better at defensive tackle than your fifth defensive end is at defensive end? I mean, that's a question. Uh, because I don't think special teams is going to tip the scales in that respect because none of these guys are Mark Pike, you know? Right. None of these guys They are, don't run like yeah, that. Yeah, none of these guys are Medikevich or, or Taiwan Jones, you know? So um, that's not going to tip the scale in this case, I don't think. Let's talk about the O.J. Howard guaranteed money in his contract. It was a one-year, $3.5 million deal. Almost 3.2 of it is guaranteed. And so if you clip him, it is a dead cap hit of 3.2. That is a cost-prohibitive situation. At a time of the year when you're trying to do just the opposite of that. Well, especially the Bills, who, as we heard Brandon Bean say yesterday, they're going to execute another restructured contract negotiation because they they're going to need more room to account for the cost difference between the top 51 players counting on your cap and the full 53-man roster plus the practice squad so that will have to be addressed who that player is we do not know Um, although there are a couple of candidates that would make sense guys on long-term deals who wouldn't mind seeing money go in their pocket now 
in the form of right, bonus, right. like Deion Dawkins, Tredavious White. Those are examples. Milano. Yeah, Milano could be another guys, option. Um, Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse. Although Mitch Morse has already done it once or twice already. So I hate to see There's I hate guys to think they'd be going to him no again. Question. Even Hyde. Um, right. So, yeah. But short of that, you know, if he's – the only way to alleviate yourself of some of that dead cap – if you don't want him on your roster, is to move him via a trade. Um, and I don't know about the likelihood of that either. So it's it's a little bit of a hands-being-tied situation there with O.J. Howard. You can get out of out from under just about any contract, you know, and move money around and stuff in this day and age. I just wonder how that's all going to shake out at the tight end position. I think it's one of the more muddled positions on the roster right now. Because I don't think there's like a clear runaway favorite behind Dawson Knox. We can all speculate and say you like this guy better than that guy, but there is no true consensus like that guy's the number two. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's Dawson Knox and three guys, and right. which ones are being kept? That's that's a real question. And and one of the things, and OJ Howard, you know, he caught the touchdown in the game on Saturday, um, but he hasn't. You know, he hasn't even challenged Knox for the number one spot. And I don't know if they brought him in thinking he would. But so I, I'm, you know, I don't know how much, you know, what that's going to do to their desire to keep him or release him or trade him or do whatever. But for now, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's going to be here, no question about it. And I think he's going to make some plays for the club. Um, but how they use him and how that tight end spot's going to shake out has a lot to do with, Sweeney and Morris more so than Howard and Knox yeah it it's certainly going to be a decision that goes down to the wire I think there's a good chance that all three of those guys behind Dawson Knox play on Friday right so it'll be one last crack well, they kind of have to, to <laughs> well right to, to get through a game right but it'll be one last crack for them to separate themselves individually to say hey I deserve to be on the roster so that will be one of the key positions to focus in on for Bills fans, because it's a position that behind Dawson Knox is still, to this point at least, seemingly undecided. Break time for us here. When we come back, more of your comments on the tweet sheet, and we'll see if anybody's got any submissions on the phone lines as well at 803-0550. Which Bills player has impressed you the most through the preseason so far? Let us know. We're back in a minute here on One Bills Live. Buffalo Wing Festival will be back at Highmark Stadium over Labor Day weekend with over 75 different styles of wings from 24 eateries, local and from across the country, plus three stages with live music and contests. There's something for the whole family. Tickets will be sold at the gate for 20 bucks. Parking is free. Kids under eight get in for free. Learn more by visiting buffalowing.com. Should be a good time at the stadium on Labor Day weekend. Wanted to get back to the tweet sheet, Steve, quickly. Which player has impressed you the most so far this preseason? Mo says, I'm going with Blackshear. Hard enough to get drafted by an NFL team. He's a walk-on and is impressing everyone. Now that's impressive. Doesn't it seem, Steve, over the years, that the guys, that the, the underdogs that invariably impress our running backs? Have you noticed that? 
Yes. I I've been talking about it all week. Ever since Blackshear had this good game on Saturday, I you know, remember Jonathan Taylor, not Jonathan Taylor, um, the running back during Rex's era that ate himself out of the league. Oh, Jonathan Carlos, Williams. Carlos, Carlos Williams. Williams. There was a Jonathan oh Williams gosh. here also. Right. Carlos Williams. Christian Jonathan, Wade. Yeah, Jonathan Williams was a fifth-round pick. So, too, was Carlos Williams. Christian Wade. Antonio Williams. Antonio Williams. Who's another one? Uh, just uh, Gillespie. Gillisley. Gillisley. Mike Gillisley. Gillisley. Um, he actually played, though. Was yeah. was pretty good. So, it's easy because they got the ball in their hands and everybody's watching them. And you just think, wow, that guy is – so, and they are special guys. Oh, look at that guy. They are. They're special guys. <laughs> but there seems to be a ton of them. Um, every really good athlete who can carry the ball really well and who's fast gets a chance to play that spot. And, and some of them stick with it all the way through college. Yeah. And if they don't grow out of it or if they don't grow into it at the next level, they move, get moved to wide receiver or whatever. If they grow out of it, they become a tight end or whatever. Um, and some of them, as little kids, you know, they play quarterback, then they play running back, then they play, you know, they end up at offensive tackle. You know, that's the way it is. That These athletes, I'm, every guy in the National Football League, you go talk to them, they will have played a different position at a young age. Rarely do you get a kid who's been an offensive left tackle from eight years old all the way through. Most of those guys were the quarterback. So, yeah, and then they grew six the, inches. The point is, in high school. The point is, all the best, the kids who are the fastest and the strongest and hold, get to play running back. And so, when you give them the ball, they know what to do with it, mm -hmm. and they look good doing it because the whole offense is trying to make them look good, man. So, I, I, I'm with you. I like Raheem Blackshear. I problem. My problem is probably I'm a little jaded because I played with Thurman. And ain't nobody like Thurman. So maybe I don't, you know, covet these guys like everybody else does. Because there's only going to be one. So I get it. But he may not make the team. Yeah, I don't think he will. It's a I crowded mean, as good as that kid has been. And, and you've got to ask yourself. Here's the question you ask yourself. How good would he have had to be to make the team? That's the that's the unbelievable question. Right. How what would it look like for him to come in and all of a sudden be the number one guy coming out of training camp? Yeah. What would that have to look like? He'd have to be a world beater. He really would. A world beater. He'd have to be the best guy in the galaxy. <laughs> that guy. I mean, you you got to think about it. What would it take to do that to right. prove to this coaching staff you're better than any of these other guys? Now, maybe we've seen James Cook do it in practice because he hasn't gotten any reps. And maybe they're thinking, eh, you know what, that's the guy. I don't know, but I would be shocked if he's taken one, number one reps in day one yeah. of the first week of training camp, or first week of the regular season in Thursday night in L.A. But you think, what would it take? Because we've seen it. We, the guys we just named, we've seen them all come through here and, wow, like Christian Wade, boom, hand yeah. him the ball, gone. I mean, how good would you have to be? You have to do that every preseason game on almost and every, every practice. Carry. Yeah. I mean, it's almost. You'll be running 50-yard house calls every play. I, I can't think of a scenario where you could actually play that well yeah. to do that because it's it's a hard spot to play. And, and 
as good as these guys have played, <laughs> a ton of them get cut every year yeah. around the league. That's amazing. Kenyon Drake is going to get released Kenyon by the Raiders. Ra- Kenyon Drake, gone from the Raiders. Yeah. Rachel on the tweet sheet says, James Cook, he's going to do big things and fill that missing piece on offense this season. Steve and I have been talking about this guy since day two of the draft, and we said, you know, if the Bills have a chance, Called this it. guy might be a good fit. And uh, the Bills, in fact, did pick him after trading down twice and making us all sweat it out. Um, has not seen a lot of action in the preseason, and Steve has a theory about that. My theory is secretly this – are we going to start calling Ken Dorsey psycho? Anyway. That would be cool. All right. So psycho like – So psy- <laughs> I'm not going to do it. So Ken Dorsey – has I mean the guy's taken like twelve snaps total in preseason and he's not getting any this week. And but he's he's taking rips on a regular rotation during pre- I mean he's not you know he hasn't unseated Devin Singletary or anything like that. I mean it's no. not like he's out there all the time and then they don't. Ever. But I I get the feeling Ken Dorsey has things planned for this guy. I think it's it's like wait till you see him on week one. Well, I, it, and the reason why is his skill set fits with what they want to do perfectly. It seems to, but I'm not sure that this is a coaching staff. That's what I don't know about Ken Dorsey. I'm certain I, I know Sean McDermott's not sitting over there saying play and play him. He's more of a guy like let's, let's see what he can prove. Yeah, earn it. Give him a little bit, and then see what he can do, and then we'll give him a little bit more. Hey, I, I mean, let's not. I mean, guys, we can run through the list of players. AJ Epinesa was a two-time inactive before he even actually got a play. Right. I mean, there are a few exceptions. Tredavious White started right away. Rousseau. Dawkins started right away. Think about where the roster build, though, was in 2017 right. compared to now. Matt Milano had to earn it. Yeah. He didn't start until the that's end right. of his rookie year. That's right. Um, that's a pretty darn good player. So so I think – He makes him earn it. That's Yeah, so I'm thinking as high as I think they might be on James Cook, I don't think he's going to come in and knock it out of the park. Although I've said I think he may get a handful or more touches in the first first game. You know what I mean? I mean he's going to be on the field. They're going to give him a chance. I think so. And maybe it'll be situationally or whatever. Best case scenario for me and my predictions, he gets like 12 or 14 touches in week one. So that's, mm-hmm. kind of, that's kind of the hey, secret. Hey, he might be I think returning kicks. I think that's that might the, be happening. That's the secret I think they're going to keep. They may unfurl him as this secret weapon, mm. you know. Uh, I don't know if that's all going to happen. But, yeah, you know, that's kind of the feeling I get. The guy got 12 snaps. I'm like, this guy. Yeah. So we'll see. Break time for us here. When we come back, practice has concluded, and we'll be bringing you comments from a couple of the players after today's practice. First on the docket will be Bill's nickel corner, Taron Johnson. We'll bring his comments to you next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual-role player for you. Steve. Steve. A blimp. (laughs) We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. Hour number two here on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Practice for the day has concluded for the Bills, about 50 yards from where we sit on the grass practice field today. 
couple of players addressed the media. First among them was Bills nickel cornerback Taron Johnson. Let's hear what he had to say now. Taron, you went back to last year. It's you and Micah and Jordan and Levi and Trey. Yeah. It's like sort of the starting five out there. And you've been most of this camp where you've been the only one of those guys out there pretty much all the time. Yeah. Does that hit you sometimes when you're out there? Uh, a little bit, sometimes, you know. But uh, when it really comes down to it, when I'm with the guys that that have been here since OTAs, you know, um, I feel like they're they're doing a great job with making it feel regular. You know, what I'm saying they've definitely stepped up with the guys out there. So, uh, you know, I'm just just getting used to it, playing with a different group of guys sometimes think about you know there's a lot of competition at uh cornerback uh a lot of young guys cam lewis and uh you know the whole list uh, uh you know what do you just think about the tough decisions brand is going to have to make because there's a lot of capable players who've played nfl games i mean it's tough you know that's just the business aspect of it i feel like it's we have so much competition on this team everywhere, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like I feel like that's a sign of a, a really good team, just having guys out here competing every single day to, to, to get that job. But everybody has been doing well. Everyone has been getting better. It's just all about progression. All the younger guys around you, are you doing more teaching? And, and, and how much of a different role is that for you? Because like Mike said, you know, mm -hmm. prior to this year for the most part, it's been guys who have been in the league longer than you around. I mean I, – I'm getting a little older now, you know, uh, so I just try to take take what I've learned in my four or five years and, and, and try to pass it down. You know, um, they're young guys, so they're eager to learn. And that that's a test to being on the players he's bringing in here because they're always ready to learn. Enjoy it, being a teacher. Uh, I, I enjoy it a little bit. I like I just like helping. That's all. Oh, I mean, we talking every single day. So every every day feels like game day, you know, going against Josh and those guys because, I mean, it's a great offense, you know, and I feel like going against them is going to make it easier on, on uh, game day. So really with the trash talking, I mean, it's just all fun and games, you know what I'm saying? I'm just talking out there. they just talking. I don't take it personal, and they don't take it personal either. Yeah. He says the number one defense. What do you do to improve that and get better? throughout the course of the uh, next I would just say just focusing on first the details and the fundamentals first and foremost and then secondly just taking the ball away more if we uh more opportunities we have we gotta gotta take those opportunities and run with it uh taking the ball away that's the biggest thing I think we asked you about this earlier in the offseason but why again did you switch to number seven why is that for you uh I mean I was seven in high school so I just wanted to kind of get back just making sure I'm having fun out there you know what I'm saying I'm, I'm blessed to play this game so I don't want to take it for granted significance when you got it in high school or did he just give it to you uh there was no real significance I just love the number that's all <laughs> Leslie about the two rookie corners mm -hmm. and how they have confidence mm -hmm. and then he was saying as you know that's now but when you get to the regular season there's a target on you mm -hmm. as a rookie yeah do you think they sense that and did you sense that when you first started playing, when the regular season comes, it's a little different. I, I don't, I don't know if they sense it, but at the end of the day, they're gonna be ready. You know what I'm saying? If, if they're gonna be targeted a lot of times, I'm sure they're gonna make a lot of plays. You know what I'm saying? So, did I feel that? 
not too much when I was coming in. I mean, I'm playing a little different position, and the the defense we didn't play, I guess, as much man when I got here. You know what I'm saying? So my my position was a little bit different. But being on the outside corner, it's it's a little tougher, you know, uh, as far as like being able to choose one person, you know. So I feel like they're gonna be ready for it, uh, whatever the challenge is. For a fourth round pick, Christian was a sixth round pick. Nothing's given to guys who are drafted in that area. Um, you kind of taking him under your wing, maybe a little bit more than you would have maybe some of the other guys, just because he's kind of an underdog like you were coming yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And he's from a D1 AA. So, you know, that's, that's special too, you know. I mean, he's a great kid, you know, uh, very quiet, you know, but uh, he listens well and he's going to go out there and do what he's coached to do. And he's not going to talk back. He's just going to be coachable. So just having that, I feel like he's going to be a, a really good player. Kind of quiet. Does he remind you of yourself a little bit, your <laughs> first year maybe? I mean, a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't really know what I look like outside my body, you know. So so I guess I guess, I guess I could say there's some similarities. Yeah. Every day in practice, going from Cole last year to kind of seeing Isaiah a lot more this year. So I would say uh, Cole is definitely uh, more shifty, but uh, Isaiah's faster. You know what I'm saying? So just having that mix up and even with Crowder out there too, you know, it's just helping me get on my game better, and I feel like it's going to prepare me well for the season. What about Jameson? What does he bring? He, he like? brings kind of like that same kind of style that Cole has. Isaiah is more of that, like, speedster guy, so it's always tough with that. So just the constant switch up, I feel like it's going to help me tremendously. Up front, uh, obviously some changes there. Vaughn headlines that class. Yeah. What can that do towards, you said, getting more turnovers and things like that, if those guys are really getting after it? I mean, it's everything. You know, uh, I feel like it starts with the front, you know. If they're hunting that quarterback, then we're going to have a lot of opportunities out there. All right, that's Taryn Johnson addressing the media after practice. It's almost strange to think of Taryn now as one of the elder statesmen. He's been here since yeah. 2018. You know, this is season five. He's in his prime, man. I mean, that's, you know, he's into his second contract. He's a, an absolute fixture. Um, has made one of the iconic plays in franchise history. Um, he's been on a top defense Three, at least three of the five years he's been here, it was a number three defense, and it's been number one. It's been number five, I think. Uh, last year, obviously, number one. So he's 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 got some. He's got a really nice resume. Really nice resume. Yeah, and you can see why he. You know, they asked him about all the slot receivers he's facing. And he said, "Man, I'm. It's unbelievable how much better I'm going to get playing against these guys." And that attitude's kind of pervasive throughout the roster that's kind of the guys they're looking for and that's why Taron started is like who's this guy and then all of a sudden he's like oh wow he's really good yeah there is uh some news concerning a former bills player as colts reporters out in indy are reporting that matt hawk who was just released on monday uh is working out for the Indianapolis Colts, for those that don't know, the Colts just lost their punter, Rigoberto Sanchez, to a torn Achilles earlier in the week. And so they need to replace him with another punter. So Matt Hawk is getting a look out there, along with USFL punter Colby Wadman. So we'll see what comes of that and if Hawk can uh, land another job in the NFL going forward here. There is more bad news out of Colts camp as their former top draft choice, Quiddy Pay, the pass rusher, 
has suffered a knee injury in practice. The severity of that injury is not known. So tough day out there for Frank Reich and the crew uh, with Quiddy Pay injured after already losing their punter for the season with an Achilles injury. Bless you, Steve. Thank you. Um, I tell you, you, you can try to avoid injury as much as you want by not putting guys in preseason games, but it can still happen in practice. It's crazy. They find you. They, it's, I, I'm, you know, it just seems like some team in the NFL, maybe more than one, but there's always one team. Like last year it was Baltimore. I mean, they're, they're trying to find cornerbacks off the street. Just can somebody line up for us? Uh, it's hard to win games in the NFL like that. Yeah. But every year there seems to be a team like that where, you know, one in 32 of these teams are going to get snake bitten by an injury bug for no apparent reason. Uh, yeah, and hopefully, you know, and hopefully it's not your team that you're cheering for because there's no, there's no calling out who it's going to be. Yeah. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it, obviously, but you're right. I mean, you hope you, you kind of dodge it, but it's, it's like the old Jake. Bad luck taps you on the shoulder, and yep. there it is. The Bills experienced that to some degree uh, earlier this week, losing Greg Manns to an injury in practice on Tuesday. There is a curious case going on in Miami. This has kind of flown under the radar a little bit, Steve. But wide receiver Jalen Waddell, the starting slot receiver for the Dolphins, he's missed most of the last two weeks of practice with an undisclosed injury. Missed practice again today. He has been seen out there working with trainers on the sideline and such, but it's it's gone on long enough now where people are wondering, like, how serious is this undisclosed injury that he has? Um, there are some who believe the Dolphins are just playing it safe. There are others who are concerned as to his state of readiness for the regular season. And then there are others who are saying, hey, in a new offense, you've missed two weeks of reps. You know, that's not an easy thing to come back from and everything be copacetic in terms of, you know, well, you knowing your assignments. It's not nothing. It doesn't mean it's anything serious, but if they're, if it's undisclosed, I don't know what it could be. Maybe, you know, it could be – who knows? There's no could telling. Could be anything. Uh, I would say was probably unrelated to football if it was undisclosed. Waddle was seen with a wrap on his right leg Wednesday and went back in with the training staff after team stretch for practice today. Maybe you just pulled a hand. Could be soft tissue. Yeah, maybe just something pulled a like hand that. Or quad or something like that. Um, but if they're not disclosing it, it's probably not serious. And yeah, we'll see what happens when he returns. Back to the tweet sheet, as we've been asking you today, which players impressed you the most on the Bills roster through the course of the season? Steve says, for me, it's hands down Khalil Shakir. As a fifth-round pick out of a smaller school, he's an absolute technician as a route runner. He's aggressive with yards after the catch, and he seems to be 100% mentally prepared every day. We heard offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey say that very thing. He said he... First preseason game, he didn't think he had any mental errors the entire game, start to finish. And he, they are lining him up all across the formation. Yeah. it's He's been impressive, and I think that's the same thing we saw with uh, Gabe Davis yeah. three years ago, as four rookie, years ago yeah. when he came in as a rookie. He They moved him to all three spots, slot, both wide outs, the flanker and the and the split end. They, he moved X, Y, and Z and, and carried it off without an issue. Um and I think that's what we're seeing from Shakir. And I think you look at Brandon Bean and the and the the uh, 
process they have for picking these guys and what they look for, they're finding it in the guys they're getting. Yep. Um, that ability to be smart enough and astute enough to pick it up and learn the right, you know, either look at it on, on paper and get it or watch it on film and get it or paper and film and get it or walk through it and get it, whatever it takes to teach these guys, whatever kind of type of learning yeah. they're good at, these guys have it in, in, in the ability to pick it up fast and m on multiple levels. Smart, tough, and dependable, simply yeah. put. Uh, Michael on the tweet sheet says, Isaiah Hodgins, I believe, has a little Andre in him. Plus, you can slide him in at slot. Maybe he doesn't start, but depth and opponent-specific might be a role for him. We talked about Hodgins on the show yesterday. It's going to be an uphill battle, um, not only because there are players who are superior in terms of separation ability and overall skill set that sit higher on the pecking order right now at the wide receiver position. But you also have people that are higher than him on the pecking order in the special teams roles, a.k.a. Jay Kumaro. So for those reasons, even though I would agree that Isaiah Hodgins has put together a nice training camp, he's put together a solid preseason, it's just it's, it's a tough room to be in. Too many numbers. I, certainly they, they don't want to let him go. Um, and if there's a chance of getting him on the on the practice squad, they'll take it. I don't know that he'll survive it. He he's got a chance to play somewhere though, and I think he may be one of those guys that is a sad goodbye when he goes to another team after they release him. You know, because yeah. he's you know he's a six three two ten kid, good size, and and he brings something to the table, no question about it. And I think for most Bills fans who watch this team really closely, like you and I do, he's better this year than he has been oh yeah he's way better well he's finally healthy he's not you know his progress has not been interrupted by injury issues like he had and in his he's, rookie season I think he's practiced every day yeah so he's gotten better yeah, he he's been able to see it so yeah sean on the tweet sheet says james cook is cooking it up this stud looks so fluid and smooth with every move his low-key demeanor is just as deceptive as his explosive speed and we haven't even seen his route running in incredibly gifted hands Stand back. Here comes Jimbo. Every sentence in this tweet has an exclamation point right. at the end. Some of them have two. Sean is fired up. I don't know if he's James Cook's agent, um, but he is, right. he's certainly his campaign manager. There's a lot. To, I, I, we'll There's see. a lot to like. We haven't, yeah, but we haven't seen much of him. That's, That's for sure. He, he snapped off a couple of nice plays this last week. He's only had 12 snaps the entire two games as a rookie running back. To me... He's a second-round pick. So, to me, what that said – I mean, I just I just can't get over the fact that that says a lot. They know him. They, they know him. They know what he's going to bring, and they're not going to show anybody anything until game one. Yeah. And that's what I think. I don't know anything. But if it's me, if I – and I don't know Ken Dorsey. I don't know how he – does. we've never seen this from Dayball or whatever. But if you got a kid who's a second-round pick – and he only gets 12 snaps during the preseason, you're pretty sure – I'm pretty sure you think he's pretty good. Yeah. And a kid who's pretty good like that doesn't sit on the sidelines. You're holding one. him back to unleash him when it counts. Exactly. He's a surprise – he's a surprise little, you know, cherry on top of the cake of your offense, you know? <laughs> surprise cherry. Oh, I love your analogies. <laughs> They're so good. From Chef Diggs on the tweet sheet, got to go with Shakir. 
When he got drafted, I watched some film, and he reminded me of Cooper Cup with the way he ran routes. Very fundamental and quick, and now he's proving it in the preseason. Um, yeah, I, Cooper Cup, I think they're different. Stretch. I think they're different yeah. in the way they run routes. Cup is a very sharp and um, break-it-off, you know, in one-step type of receiver. I still remember in the 2017 Senior Bowl, watching those guys all week in practice. And the two receivers that stood out to me the most at the 2017 Senior Bowl were Cooper Cup and Zay Jones. Um, and both went in the first three rounds. And um, both of them are still in the league. Cooper Cup is the reigning NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Shakir's a nice young prospect, but let's pump the brakes here a little bit. Um I like everything that Shakir's done in the preseason. I think he is a different type of route runner than Cup is. Shakir is more shifty um, and smooth in his transitions, where Cooper Cup is more staccato, sharp cuts, change direction, in and out. I, I think Cup's more of a choppy route runner. Shakir is just kind of smooth, in and out of breaks and stuff, drops his weight easily. Right now, the Smoother way I athlete. see it, and, and we don't know what the – what the depth chart is. I mean, they've got one out, but it, I don't know how accurate it is. And I would say, if I'm guessing, and I am, I think it's Diggs and Davis on the outside and McKenzie on the inside with Crowder, Crowder backing, backing up McKenzie. Maybe all and on three. the outside, on the outside, I think it might be Shakir backing up Diggs and Davis on the outside. Could be, yeah. Uh, and those, there's your five receivers, and the sixth one would be Kumaro on the roster. The, the good thing with receiver four and four, at least how it looks, Crowder and Shakir, they can back up all the spots. Right. That makes them inherently valuable. Right. I mean, their skill set says enough about themselves as receivers. Their versatility, I think, only adds to their value, and that's why both of them will be on this roster. I'm right. that's shocked why I th- they're not. That's where I think, too. I think, I think it's the three, Davis, McKenzie, Diggs, and Crowder, and Shakir with Kumaro as the sixth guy playing special teams and coming in yep. and blocking in the run game and also giving him a little something in the red zone. So, yeah, that's that's the way it looks to me. And I think a guy like Pau could be a practice, practice squad water. guy. Hodgins could be a practice squad guy. Gentry will be a practice – you know, Tanner Gentry will be a practice squad guy candidate. Yeah, so, you know, I – so for those of you who don't know who Pau is, he's 6'2", two, he's a big dude. 6'2", 215, out of BYU. Yeah, he's 26. So, he's, you know, he's an older kid. So, he's, he's he got some wisdom there. But um, that that's the way it's shaking out for me right now. But I don't know how, you know, the running backs, the tight ends are going to filter down through the numbers game of the, what the roster is going to look like on the offensive side. Yeah. Which is what? Well, tight ends are a big question mark. Yeah. There is news. Mike Garofolo from NFL Network is reporting that the Colts are, in fact, signing former Bills punter Matt Hawk. So, Hawk, you know, you hear this all the time, Steve, and Brandon Bean said it when they made the roster decision earlier in the week. They wanted to give a veteran like Hawk a chance to latch on with another team. That's why they're making him a cut now, not in the massive cut to 53 when the market is flooded with players. And it, in fact, proves to work. 
Colts are going to sign Matt Hawk after losing their punter Rigoberto Sanchez to an Achilles injury. So Matt Hawk finds work elsewhere in the league. So good for him. And, you know, the Colts have filled a need yep. after losing their starting punter for the season to an Achilles injury. How, how, how weird is that? Like a punter to an Achilles? How that's rare. It yeah. seems very I've never heard that before. It must have been he must have been, you know, half covering a kick or whatever, must have been going through some drills and done something other than punt. You know what I mean? Who knows? But wow. apparently it happened during wind sprints yeah, of all things, go. Steve. Everybody's doing gassers together, you know, the entire team coaching staff, Man. everybody everybody's doing that these days. Maybe that's when it happened. Strange, that is though. that's too bad. That's though. still strange that's to me. That's too bad. Uh, out at practice today, Steve and I had a chance to watch a little bit more because it started earlier today than it had earlier this week. And during the team session, there was one particular player who stood out in a big way. (laughs) Number 40. Holy cow. Von Miller is, the alarm has gone off on the regular season. We're two, we're a couple of weeks out. And Vaughn is readying for the regular season. He was having his way on pass rush today, yeah, the, tapping out Josh with like three or four sacks in the span of about ten plays. Yeah, the tackles were struggling. One on one, the tackles were struggling with Vaughn, which is why you don't match up one on one. But in a practice yeah. setting, that's what they were doing. And they, and he was doing it with both leverage and power, and also coming off the edge around the corner, um, doing different stuff. I saw him do a hesitation move after, you know, as a compliment to a power. I mean, it's just really, really good. I mean, goodness gracious. It it was something. I'm excited to see it. This defense is going to be a little bit different than it was a year ago, in my opinion. I think even though it was a number one ranked defense last year, I think it's going to be much, much better this year. And today's practice just solidified it. Yeah, it just It's scary to think. I mean, I know I've been saying since April – Everybody's excited about Von Miller and with with justifiable cause. But I'm so pumped to see these freaking big defensive tackles. I think get after people. Yeah, I think Jordan get in Phillips, the lap of quarterbacks. I think Jordan Phillips is going to be a penetrator at 340 pounds, and, and Ed Oliver is going to be. Or I, I yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, we're not it's even talking fun. about Daquan Jones and Tim Settle yet, who have impressed right. in their own right. Yeah, through the court, they're just going to be rolling these big hosses through, right. and they're going to be wrecking people. Wrecking people. Oh, it's so exciting to think. We got to take a break here. When we come back, we haven't done this in a while, Steve. A little NFL true false coming your way. We've got some doozies on the list. We'll get to those when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back. It's One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And it's time to play a little NFL True False, Steve, presented by Patron Tequila, the official Mm -hmm. tequila of the Buffalo Bills. I like it. Glad to have them joining us Mm -hmm. on NFL True False. And we begin with the following, Steve. The Patriots training camp struggles are just growing pains. True or false? Unfortunately, I think it's true. I think they'll they're coming off a playoff game a year. Uh, certainly, you can make cast aspersions on their draft and maybe their rosters and what. It, but their offense is not going to be non-competitive. Um, 
so I think, yeah, they're going to be fine. And they, they've shown some signs of life late in these practices with, with the Raiders, although during the bulk of the practice they've struggled. In like in the two-minute drill, they seem to have gotten found their rhythm against them. So, uh, yeah, I think the Patriots are going to go th- are going through some growing pains. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl and win it or they're going to do all of that, but I think they're going to be much better than, than reports have them in training camp. I am disagreeing with you vehemently. <laughs> I believe this is false. The Patriots are going to struggle this year. I think there will be weeks where they cannot get out of their own way. I think Matt Patricia is going to have his share of issues as the offensive coordinator, and the Sharks will circle and smell blood in the water. The Patriots will go down, down, down like a sinking ship with a cavernous hole in its hull and sink to the bottom of the AFC East this year. Sure, that's just part of what I'd like to see happen, but I believe it to be the case as well, so I say false with a capital F. Okay. I can... Wouldn't it be great? Yeah. How can you not wrap your arms around that and just squeeze with that all your does, loving might? I will say that does look pretty good when you're window shopping. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You don't know how badly I want that to happen. I, <laughs> yeah. I want them to be mired in the embarrassment I want of, them in to, meat of total ineptitude. I want them to devolve into an abyss of irrelevancy. The likes of which we have not seen before. Yeah. All right, NFL true-false number two. The Lions will be better than a 500 team false. in 2022. Falsy, false, false, false. Okay, that was a very quick answer. Tell me why. They're just, their roster's not good enough. Uh, their quarterback's not good enough. Their skill position on offense aren't good enough. Um, they'll be, I, they're going to be a fun team. They're going to be fine, but then they may win – Five or six games, seven would probably be, I think, the, a good year for them. I don't think they can bounce back further than that from where they were a year ago. Right. I don't think they've done enough yeah. to warrant a total turnaround. I don't think they're a nine-win football team. I do not. I think they might be a six- or seven-win football team. Because, yeah, because of the Bears. Well, and, they're playing in the NFC. Right, because of the Bears but, and the Vikings. Are there any quarterbacks in left in that conference? I mean, they're not going to beat the Packers at all they will sweep the Bears and they'll split with the Vikes maybe they might get swept by the Vikes they might get swept by the Vikes so they win two out of the six games there so and you let think me about that 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 puts them at about six games in a 17 they play game. the AFC East and the NFC East this year those are their cross so they got a chance against those are their cross division they got a chance against the Patriots they got a chance against the Dolphins they got a chance against the Jets yes so let's say they get one and a and half And they got wins. a chance against the Giants. Let's say let's and the say, Washington Commanders. Let's say they go all right, there's five games there. Yeah. Let's say they win two and a half of those. And, and they just gotta and beat the win, Bears twice. And they beat the Bears twice. There's five and a half. You got Jacksonville on the schedule as your cross conference game. That's that's still, a winnable game. That's still five and a half to me. I mean Jacksonville. <laughs> Um, all right, let's say six. That gives them a half. I think they can get half win. Look at my half. I think they can get to six There's with a little six. luck. Seven. Let's not forget, Steve. That was a team that was on the wrong end of the luck last year. The Justin Tucker sixty-four yard field goal at the gun. They lose that game to the Ravens, and they had a couple other games they lost in the waning moments. Now, okay. I know you're going to tell me that's how that's what bad teams do. Well, they lose those. Here's games. the definitive. Here's my thing, and, I, and I'll say this as an as a an homage to. Dan Campbell's leadership. Mm. 
they play hard for that guy. They do play hard. And seeing as how you and I are putting them at like six and a half, maybe seven. I'm going to say this. Oh, I I forgot. They also play Carolina. That's a winnable game. All right, I'm going to put them at eight wins. Wow. I'm going to put them at eight wins just because of of Dan Campbell and because of hard knocks. (laughs) I don't know if that's a leg you want to stand on for eight wins. That's an extra game and a half for me there, that right there. So I'm – yeah, I, because I, all those games we had their coin flips. You got to. Yeah. They're not going to win a coin flip game with the Patriots. No. The Patriots. That's where the Patriots wheelhouse could is. win a coin flip game with the Panthers though. And they could with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you get one of there, and you're going. They're going to sweep the Bears. They're going to. Yeah, I. They're going to. They got a chance against all these other. T- yeah, I'm. I'm. Eight's a little too much. Yeah, you just said eight. I I think it's somewhere between six and seven. I think they could get to seven. I think you're With right. a little luck, they I'm can get to say, seven I'm wins. Gonna, I'm going to pump the brakes and say seven. <laughs> you, got, you went a little hard knocks haywire there on yeah. us there, Steve. I'll say seven. Eight wins for the Lions. Well, I'll wait, say hold on. seven. What? But it is false. They're not going to be They're not going to be a nine yeah. and eight team. Um, no. No, they're still a little ways away. They're they're doing a lot of the right things. But, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I, I think they're a ways away. Uh, NFL, true, false, number three. Chargers, J.C. Jackson is the best cornerback in the NFL. No. That's the, that J.C. Jackson was the one with the Patriots last year. The guy who is now on the L.A. Chargers. No. No, he's not even the best. He's not even the best corner in L.A. Jalen Ramsey is. Yeah. That's, yeah, No. Yeah, the I kid would... in New Orleans is better than him. What's the guy, the the, the uh, draft pick the same year as uh, Tredavious? Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore is like better. better. Than okay. Come yeah, on, I, w- man. I would go along with J- that. Where the... I think J.C. Jackson has been one of the most opportunistic cornerbacks in the NFL. But pound for pound, best corner in the NFL? No. What, I would J- take Tredavious White Tredav- over him in a second. D- Steph Diggs wishes he could play against J.C. Jackson every week. Steph Diggs embarrassed Steph Jason Diggs, Jackson. Steph Diggs, like, yeah. It, I don't even. That's not. He crushed him. Yeah. For three touchdowns, and was like, "Remember, this is the one. You and you and you and you. Yeah. Shut up. In the back of the end zone. And not so I'm, many. That words. was yeah. No, J.C. Jackson. Like, and I'm sure there are other teams out there where J.C. Jackson crushed him and 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 dominated the game and all that. But he never did it to Buffalo. No. And. Five years, $82.5 million, 43 of which was guaranteed in the big deal with the Chargers. That's why I'm not and picking now the Chargers. And now he is out at least two to four weeks after having ankle surgery. Steve, they're putting him at two to four weeks after ankle surgery? I mean, even if it's a scope, playing cornerback, is he coming back in two to four weeks? Like, I don't know. It's the Chargers, man. I don't know. It's the it's Chargers. I don't think he's making it back for week one. No. You know what I mean? Like No, he ain't back. And he's definitely not the best cornerback in the NFL. I I'm trying I was trying to think in my head as we were going through this how many I would put in front of him. And I don't know if I can name them all off the top of my head, but I'm I'm saying to myself, if I went and looked at cornerbacks you know, a rundown, I would find five pretty quickly that I would put in front of him. Yeah. 
I mean, I would have to go at least there before I'd even get him in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I like the Dolphins' corners better. I would say they are definitely more talented than him. I think you might, you could, Byron Jones and J.C. Jackson. I may debate that a little I'd bit. Like to Xavier Howard, I've got ahead of him easily. I'd like to see Howard and and ja- and the other guy, the the other corner from. I'd like to see those guys Byron Jones, with a new defensive coordinator, giving a little more help than they have had. Well, they, I think they have better. the same coordinator. Right. So I would like to see them in it. But I think those guys are really good. What about Trayvon Diggs in this conversation? Where does he fall? He's kind of an opportunistic corner just like J.C. is. Yeah, I get Get their it. hands on a lot of balls, picks, sure. you know. Um, and sometimes if, if they're good, like Jalen Ramsey good or Diggs good, they bait the quarterback into the throw. Right. Knowing they can get there and pick it off. So that's another level stuff. J.C. Jackson is not that guy. I don't get the sense that he is either. I suppose he could prove us all wrong. Well, he's hey, he doesn't have to prove it's anybody wrong. He's the guy that signed the $80 million contract. Yeah. Uh, there is news out of Carolina Panthers camp concerning Friday's game. Panthers head coach Matt Rule has apparently said today the plan is to play Baker Mayfield and the starters into the second quarter on Friday. We didn't know that already? I, I thought we knew that already. I don't know that we did. Okay. Never I don't think it was official. Okay. I think that was the assumption yeah, because the starters did not play at all okay. last week yeah. for the Panthers. Matt Rule apparently made it official after practice today. Okay. Baker Mayfield and the starters into the second quarter. So what the Bills experienced last week with the Broncos is what the Panthers are going to experience this week with their starters with the Bills. I just realized i got to travel tomorrow with the, with the team. Yes, you do. Who's, who's doing the show with you, Matty? Maddie will be in here with me tomorrow. And then I'll be back And then on you'll be doing the show remotely with me. Friday. From. I just realized that. Charlotte. I got a pack. Steve. I know it's just an overnight. Are you a procrastinator? Not about everything. Okay. Only you, about stuff You almost I felt like a procrastinator with that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you later. Um, no, I'm not a procrastinator. I'll tell you later. Um, the. Yeah, because. It's been a minute. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, because been a while. You know, since we weren't COVID. We weren't on the travel. Party we haven't been traveling for three years, and I didn't. Well, I never traveled anyway. Yeah. Uh, ever since the C, I, you know, stopped working for CBS. It's been a while. Yeah. That right. is NFL True False presented by Patron Tequila, the official tequila of the Buffalo Bills. Break time for us, but Steve and I back to close things up for a Wednesday here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back. One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker. And one final segment to go here. And I got to tell you, I didn't mention this at the top of the show. I don't know what's going on on the roads of Western New York or elsewhere. I already told you about how my long trip down to Georgia had me convinced that the drivers in the South are crazy. Right. I, I feel like drivers nowadays, when it comes to highways have forgotten the general rules as to what areas of the highway mean. Like the left lane is the passing lane. You don't go over there and camp out. Okay, that's number one. Number two, 
when you are coming from an on-ramp and merging into traffic, <laughs> it is your job to get your vehicle up to the speed of the traffic you are joining. And in the last two days, Steve, and I'm not a, I'm not a lead foot driver at all, but when I go in the passing lane, I expect to be able to pass the traffic I moved out from behind, and I use the left lane to pass people. Mm-hmm. And when there is somebody camped out there tootling along at 60, I have a problem with that. I'm a patient man in most <laughs> cases. I, I'm not a lean-on-the-horn person, but I am huffing and puffing all the way down the highway at 60 in the passing lane saying, you do not belong here. The same happened to me this morning with the on-ramp. I am oh, in the yeah. right lane. I had just gotten on myself. I had yet to merge into the, maybe the middle lane or the left lane if I had to pass somebody. There's another on-ramp coming, the 90. And this person is tootling around the, you know, the clover leaf and tootling. merging into traffic on a highway at 45. Oh, dude. Somebody help me. Please no help me. me. Listen, you can't live their lives for them, Brown. Just be I nice. Know. Give them some grace. You never know what they're going through. Danny Heifetz from The Ringer on the show tomorrow. Maddie Glab will be in that chair while Steve's traveling. We'll see you at one.